0: Welcome to the Antler Up podcast brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment, and we have a fun show for you all today. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We're on episode 187, and on this week's episode, I was joined by Mr. Kansas, John Landwehr. John resides in Kansas, where over the last three years, he's killed two 200-inch whitetails and one 170. This year, John, Tyler Wilbur, and Angelo Gianni are going to be traveling all over the country filming their hunts for their brand Legacy Pursuit. So we get to hear what John has planned, and all the stories, the lessons, and the strategies John used killing his three giant Kansas bucks. We begin this episode by getting an introduction to John and hear how he learned the ins and outs of hunting Kansas over pretty much his whole life when he moved there when he was six. From John's description, though, from where he hunts is completely different from what I grew up hunting and hunting to this day. So hearing his style and the strategy for how he hunts these giant whitetails was something I had to hear. So following this up, we get into breaking down the stories, the main takeaways for killing these past three bucks. Two of them, which shared a similar story in that they were taken early compared to the one last year where John really had to grind the year out to finally catch up to him. So in between hearing these stories that we hear, really John talk about the buck that he and his son were after, mainly his son, and what he believes ultimately really why it didn't work out for them while they're hunting this buck so we wrap things up hearing about john's upcoming plans and what is in store for legacy pursuit so enjoy sit back kick back listen up and hear john you hear the passion the love that he has uh, in this episode for hunting and just the the pure joy and excitement that uh really he brings to the table so enjoy this episode got a really good fun one next week with byron horton looking forward to dropping that one so thanks again everybody for all that support we'll see you next week antler up Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting, designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter. Tether produces the most mobile, stealthy and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the antler up podcast for America's best bowstrings use code antler up and you will save $10 off your order. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code AntlerUp to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. And I'm joined by Mr. Kansas himself from the legacy pursuit. I'm joined tonight by John Landwehr. John, welcome to the show, dude.
1: Hey, thanks, man. It's cool to be on here. Finally. I'm excited.
0: Oh man. I know we're just talking a little bit off air quickly. And like I was just mentioning, mentioning to you, my summer schedule is either wide open or it's fully booked like it's never anywhere in between and I appreciate your patience uh getting this one down and I and uh I'm really looking forward to this conversation we have some mutual friends and uh if I'm I'm really excited for people to get a chance to listen to you because man when I say Mr Kansas I'm not knocking uh I, and I I mean, I mean this one because John will get into this and I don't want to jump too far ahead quickly but let's just say that uh between my dad and I John in the last three years years as far as like gross inch goes, as far as for uh whitetail as goes, man, my dad and I combined probably aren't even at like uh <laughs> <laughs> probably maybe we'll combined we're touching it just because of all those little dinks that we've killed growing up. But uh you've killed some some hammers the last two years, uh well three years, two over two hundred and one in the one eighty. So We'll dive into those stories. We'll talk about things you've learned uh, throughout those hunts, because I know that's something you're really big into. But before we do that, obviously coming from Kansas, John, give a, our listeners a little bit of an introduction of who you are and where you come from, man.
1: All right, man. Yeah. So uh, I grew up, actually, I was born in Nebraska, a uh, really big pheasant country up there. And yeah. around the sixth grade, I believe it was, we ended up moving to Kansas to my grandpa's farm. Cause he went to retirement home. So we ended up moving to Kansas because of that. And uh, my dad actually raised pointing chocolate laps. So, Mm. you know, him doing that, we were in a bird hunting. I mean, shoot almost every single day. So, you know, that kind of got the fuel going for me. And I always remember as a little kid too, my dad was a traditional archer and it was really cool because he would take me and show me these places when he shot a deer, but see, he only shot for meat. That's, strictly what he was doing he was just trying to put food on the table but he would take me to go on these track jobs and stuff and he would show me like you know i sat right here in the fork of this tree you know and i shot this doe when she walked by and it's like oh man it's so cool like oh man you're my hero like this is so cool but uh i mean like i said we moved to kansas we were big into bird hunting and you know we'd be pushing out these draws and the crp fields and stuff and you would just see these just great big massive bucks coming out and uh, I think it was the seventh grade, uh, I finally got into, into deer hunting. Uh, got a mose loader and was able to hunt the youth season. And I just, just got – I'm actually staring at him over here now. He's just a real real nice, pretty big eight-pointer. And nice. I got really lucky. We were They were doing a deer drive. I actually, no. What it was, these two guys I was hunting with were stalking this buck. This is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. They were stalking this buck. And the buck saw him, and I was – they were driving literally a rental van. It was a little minivan. It was a rental. <laughs> this was, I was standing on the back bumper watching them stalk this deer. Over the deer was standing – or when the deer stood up, they couldn't see him because he was on the other side of a, a big cottonwood tree. Okay. And he saw them stalking him, and so that deer actually hit the ground. And I could see the deer's just – the, just the tips of his antlers. I swear this deer was crawling on the ground. Oh my god! where he got where the hunters couldn't see him. And then he jumped up and started running towards me toward the van, And I was like, man, this is my opportunity. I got my gun. It's loaded. Like, let's get in there. So I literally got like 10 yards from the van and I hunkered down and just some tall tumbleweeds. And this buck come running 20, less than 20 yards from me straight at me. And I just picked up the gun, put it in his chest and just let her let the hammer go, man. And he folded right there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty cool. That was my first ever buck. So that was that was pretty awesome. And uh shot a couple of those later that year with a rifle. And I just decided, you know what? This is fun, but I want to really I want a challenge. Yeah. So then the next year I ended up shooting my first buck. He's a hundred and I don't know, hundred and thirty five inch eleven pointer that I shot with a bow on the ground. So that was and man, once you shoot your first year with the bow, that just fuels the fire even more. And it's just escalated yeah. ever
0: since about the same age, either 12 or 13. I, I, I can't recall. I'm pretty sure I was 13 because my first deer that I shot w- with the rifle was when I was 12 years old. So I'm pretty mm-hmm. positive. This was just that next year uh, after shooting my bow for a couple of years. Cause that, that was the one thing, man, I remember my parents were divorced and when my dad would drop me off, we'd always stop at this, gentleman's, um, uh, taxidermist shop, but he also had bows. And I won't forget he had like Hoyt. Um, I, I think he had Matthews as well. My dad, we'd always just look at them. I just remember that old Hoyt logo <laughs> with the apple on it and just wanting one so bad. And, uh, it's just such a cool memory how you, this, uh, you know, it, it brings up, but what, what good times, man.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. There's There's nothing like it. And I'm, and I love that my kids are, you know, I have three boys, uh, and I love that they're still involved. You know, they they eat it up. Blake, the youngest one, he's eleven. I'm not sure. I never thought anybody could be more diehard than I am, but yeah. he is pretty darn. <laughs> he's in it to win it. I'll just tell you that, man. <laughs> he's he's more in it than I am, I believe, and he's. And I'm really impressed because even I think it was like I don't remember if it was two years ago or three years ago. He was eight or nine. And he'd been been watching me and what I was doing, and had this real nice three and a half year old ten pointer come in, and and he's getting all excited and stuff. And I was like, "Are you gonna shoot him?" He's like, "Well, I don't know, dead hall is he?" I said, "Well, I, I know he's a three year old. I I know him. He's a three year old." He goes, "Nah, I'm I'm gonna let him walk." I'm like, "Wow, are you serious, kid? Like you're gonna let this deer walk?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna shoot him." And then he ended up killing a. Oh, I was a really nice nine-pointer, big old buck, giant-bodied buck. He had to stick it out till I think like the second week of November, but he ended up killing a good mature buck, so he was real happy with that. And yeah. a couple hunts before that, I I kind of screwed it up for him. I I messed up, I messed him up on about a 170-inch ten-pointer because I thought I could see the deer. I thought he had a clear view. And I said, "Come on, shoot him!" And so he shoots, but I don't even know where the arrow goes. And I'm like, "What's?" and I look over at him and this kid's about in tears. He's like, dad, I couldn't see him. I'm like, Oh, crap!" (laughs) (laughs) you know, but, uh, yeah, he's just, he's just completely ate up with it. You know, he's the last couple of years, he's been chasing a giant and, uh, we're hoping he shows back up for him this year. So that's the kids are a big thing for me. I, most seasons I couldn't care less. If I shoot one, just, I, I always try to focus on the kids, get them their deer. And if they're done, all right, it's dad's turn. I'll go out.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. So when, when did you end up moving to Kansas again?
1: Uh, I was in the sixth grade. So I can't remember how old I would be then. What? 12? 12. 12? Yeah. Yeah, 11, 12, something like that. Yeah. So that's when we moved here to Kansas. And like I said, it's just, uh, it's just escalated since then. I've, and I'm not far from there. I'm about an hour and a half from there now. So I'm still kind of in the central western part. Uh, we're in a pretty big open country. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of trees. And Tyler and Angel always give me crap. They're like, I see a tree in the background. Like, there's a tree out there? <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a, an area, an estate. I think I've said this on the podcast before, that I really want to go and take my dad. And yeah. he, he wants to hunt. He's like, I I think it's like every, I don't know, like our generation. It's our dads that are like, I want to go up to Canada, and I'm like, why do you want to go freeze your nuts off to shoot a white tail? I do what I'm saying, like, like you are going to freeze. Like, don't get me wrong, enormous deer as far as bodies and and you know racks are concerned, but like let's go to Kansas. Let's go, uh, let's go to do something like that, where we could, we could drive, we could just see the country. Maybe go hit up another state. I'm all about that, man.
1: Yeah. You're, you're pretty much just like Tyler, you know, from Pennsylvania. He's the same exact way. You know, Kansas has always been his bucket list and, and his dad, you know, same thing. You know, his dad's always wanted to hunt Kansas and stuff. (laughs) And when they, when they put in for the draw and I'm like, dude, He's well, I think Tyler asked me, he's like, Man, what do you think about bringing my dad? I mean, he's like, He's always wanted to hunt Kansas. I was like, Hell yeah, bring him, dude. Yeah. Put him for the draw, put him in there. Like, come on, man. And luckily enough, they all, him, Tyler, uh, uh, Angelo, Tyler, and his dad all drew Kansas tags. So, yep. yeah, so they were, they were all excited when the, they all drew for sure because there's a lot of guys that it's like, seems like Kansas has been every other year yep. for them. I you mean, know, I know a lot of guys that they like, Oh man, I always get a Kansas tag. And then it's like, Nope, not this year.
0: What is? How is your deer herd out there?
1: It kind of, mm-hmm. it varies a lot. Um, you know, like I said, we're in open country out here. You just, you find pockets. You find some areas out here where I'm at where there's just not a deer. And then you go to other areas, there might be, you know, 300 within two miles. You know, it's <laughs> it's crazy how, how pockety it is. It's like we're, uh, where I shot Zeus, the big one, a few years ago. You would never... I would have never guessed in a million years that this deer was there or as many deer that are in this area. It is just totally wide open. There's just grassy draws and waterways and stuff like that. And there's a ton of deer. I mean, it's crazy. But then you can go to some of these wooded areas and not find a deer. So I don't know what it is. I know a lot of it is crops and crop rotation really affects our deer. But the herd is is really in good health, though.
0: That's good. That's good to hear. Now, are you... Uh, I know, especially like Zeus, like you, you work on individuals farms and, and you, ha- you have those upper opportunities and permission to hunt these farms. Is that mainly your, your, your bread and butter is hunting these private farms like that? Or are you getting out on, on public at all? Like what's, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I I don't care what you do. Um, I don't care what anybody does as long as it's, it's legal. I, I have no, I hunt private, I hunt public. It, so, I mean, what is your... Just so that way I, I know as far as, like, you know, for some questions coming up.
1: Yeah. Um, pretty much all my spots are private land. Mm-hmm. Uh, like We have hunted public land before. There was some public land that was really good down on the river a couple of years ago that we hunted. That's actually where Blake missed that big 170-inch ten-pointer was on that public wow. land. Uh, it's just... Once everybody knew that it was public, it got hunted and it got hunted really hard. Once some of the guys knew that there was big bucks on there, you know, they're calling their brothers and their cousins and everybody. And you couldn't even find a place to park. And I was like, well, I'm really glad that I had the place a half yeah. mile north of here. Cause y'all just chased moths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I, yeah, most of my stuff, uh, I don't think I'm hunting, not here in Kansas. I won't be hunting in public this year. I don't think. And it's just, it works out better. You know, once you get a target buck, most of the time where I'm at, the neighbors don't hunt. I mean, there's a couple of mm-hmm. places that they do, but, uh, you know, you find a target buck and you can pretty much hone in on him and not feel the pressure of other hunters and stuff like that. So that's, like I said, not just in anybody that hunts public. There's a lot oh, of good yeah. public out there, a lot of good public hunters. I mean, heck, in, in my opinion, if you hunt public and you kill consistently every year and you kill good deer on public every year, Hats off to you, buddy, because you're doing something right. That's that's yeah. hard. That's hard, yeah. man. But you got every other hunter, you know, breathing down your neck after the same deer. and you can go in there and get him killed before everybody else. That's that's doing something.
0: I know. I always think about like if you go out a Monday, Wednesday, Friday ordeal, like quick after work. How like who how many other people are out there on that Tuesday, Thursday that you're not there or whatever? It just it always exactly. just blows my mind. You you never know. And I've I've thought I've seen people where they they even put their cameras at like their entry you know like where they're parking just to to get a a sense of that but which is kind Mm -hmm. of smart so like growing up there then john like when you are learning your the ropes basically has that always been uh like what we're saying about the private side of things like hunting these farms where it's not a lot of trees and i you said you shot your first whitetail like from the with the bow like on the ground is Mm -hmm. that how like kind of growing up is is how you got the job done
1: yeah it is it's and see what's crazy is that nothing is ever the same it's yeah. always different uh you know my biggest thing is you have to scout you have to find these deer you have to run cameras you have to be driving the roads at the spotting scope finding them because i guess our crop rotations are a big deal you know you can have wheat the one year and think okay well they're going to plant milo in it this next year all oh, it's going to be great because all these deer are going to flock to it well then all of a sudden you've got this game plan this is going to work. And then the farmer throws you a curveball ball and plants wheat back into it. And just, <laughs> 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 yeah. it. I had that happen this year, actually, but that is a, it is a cost. It's just like anything, as you know, it is a constant learning curve. There is you, as soon as you think you got it figured out, better think again, cause you do not. It's yeah. just doing your homework. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Luck has a lot to do with it, but ultimately it's the sweat on your brow. That's going to get the job done. Being patient. You know, I don't know how many times I've had big deer. Like you know, Blake and I were hunting a really big one last year, a 200 incher, and we just over hunted him. You know, we he knew the we knew the neighbor was hunting him. He knew of the deer, and it was one of those things where we got to get in there and get him killed before he does. Ultimately, they cut the mile of the deer left. That was in the story, uh, as far as I know. That they killed him. But you know it's it's constant, man. It's a roller coaster ride. It's like you've got this big 200 inch deer, you, you've got him honed in, and then just all of a sudden vanishes, gone, never to be seen again. So
0: I would love I would love to see what what I would actually do if oh. I saw a 200 inch deer like like on a hunt, like even if I had no frigging clue. Like if you were like, hey Jeremy, <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot tonight. You you might see some deer, and like I want to know if I would just totally freeze. So. John, here's what I want to do. I want to take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus Outdoor Gear. They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from. One being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at ExodusOutdoorGear.com. I want to go back and rewind so that way we could talk a little bit more. And I'm sure listeners are probably like, dang, you, you, intru- you introduced him that he's Mr. Kansas. He's killed some big bucks, 200 inches. So, Let's kind of go back to, I guess, three years ago. Uh, that is when you killed Zeus, I believe. Um, so th- this deer, what did he grow? And we'll talk about, like, hunting this deer and, like, what you learned. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, Zeus was actually – he would have been the second one, and I shot him okay. in 20, 2021. So 2020 would have been Titan, and he was uh, he was 211 is what he ended up scoring that was gross okay. of course but um but if you want to talk about zeus we can you know we can talk about him no, too. No, go, go
0: back to Titan. yeah we'll, we'll we'll start we'll kind of go in that chronological order so we'll start with titan because you know here's what i want you to do with, with, with these deer obviously you can talk about the story but when you look at this like recall maybe one to two really learning takeaways that like led to your success and Like how that's kind of implemented and almost maybe as it keeps going to right now.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. So the biggest thing I really learned with him was to be patient. Mm. Uh, If the wind wasn't right, you know, if he wasn't going to come in till late, you know, just stay out of there. So because I got pictures of him, I think it was in July. And I could, I could send you the velvet pictures of this, dude, because it is just unfreaking real. I mean, it was like, wow. <laughs> it was the first great, big, giant, non-typical I'd ever got on camera. And I was just flabbergasted. It was on just a card pull camera. And uh, I remember when we first got that set of pictures, I told my wife, I said, I need to get a cell camera in there so I can just stay out of there mm-hmm. because <clears throat> I don't want to have my son around and everything. And <laughs> it's really funny. Tired Angelo. They know about the stupid tree. That's what we call it is the stupid tree because there's a, there's a big thick draw of cottonwoods and a bunch of overgrown grass. And I know that's where the deer all bed. So there's one lone cottonwood out in the field. It's about a hundred yards off of the edge of all their other stuff, the bedding and everything. And we call it stupid tree. Cause it's like, you're stupid if you're going to sit in that tree. <laughs> so, so I got to stand up in that tree and I had a bait pile out for him cause it's legal here in Kansas to put out corn and stuff. And uh so I knew if I'd gotten a cell camera put up there, the only time I have to go in there, because I can drive across the field. We had we had wheat stubble in there this year, I could just drive across the field, boss said it was no big deal. So I knew what I could do is I could drive out there at the pickup. I wouldn't have to touch the ground with my feet. And that's what I did. I didn't leave any scent anywhere. Once I got that cell camera up, you know, just made sure the batteries were always good in it. Once I got the cell camera up, I could just drive out there and literally open the driver door and shimmy my ass to the bedside of the truck, get up in the bedside and dump the corner out of the back of the truck and then get back in the truck and leave without ever leaving any ground set. So that was, that was cool. I was like, you know, yeah. I've got this big giant buck. I know he's mature. I need to take every step I can to not let him know I'm there. And I always did it whenever there was, you know, hot middle of the day when you knew the deer weren't moving and the wind was always out of the South and a pretty good wind. So he could even hear me driving in there. I thought that was going to work at the time. So he <laughs> so did all that, so we got to sit, and then uh, he would come in. He shed his velvet, and then he started coming in only after dark. And I said, great, another, a nocturnal deer. This is awesome. So I'd go down there. I'd go down there probably every once a week, dump corn out, and leave. Okay. Well, then for some reason, that night and the night after, he would daylight. I was like, what the hell is going on here? So I started putting 2D2 together. Every time he heard my pickup, because my pickups got dual exhaust, it's loud, he instantly knew there was corn there. So I was like, I think I've got it figured out. Let's test this out. So the next morning, before work, I drive down there and dump the corn out. Of course, boom, daylight. Next night, daylight. I'm like, okay, let's see if this works. So we were actually in the middle of harvest, and I told my bosses, I said, if I leave, if you let me leave early tomorrow night, I can kill this deer. Like, are you sure? Like, we got Milo to cut. I was like, yeah, I can get it done. He's like, okay, well, I'll call, I'll call a truck driver. We'll have you covered. Go kill him. It's like, okay. So that morning I went down there and dumped out corn. This time I like revved my pickup up and stuff. I think I spread a kitty out in the field and then I left. <laughs> so so i go to work. And five o'clock rolls around. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. See you. Go get him killed. <laughs> so I head down there, got in the tree. And when did you know, about an hour before dark, he come walking out of the timber about 300 yards. Well, it's about 200 yards because he's kind of toward the south end. But he come walking out because I, I had a little fork buck on the corn pile. And he was kind of a, dis, a good distraction at the time. And – and I'm watching and all of a sudden I see a deer pop out of the, the big tall grass. And I pick up my binoculars and I'm like, holy buckets. Yeah. That's him. Whole it's just like a solid mass of antlers. And I'm watching him. And and I think the little buck kind of had him distracted a little bit. Cause as he's walking across the field, I mean, he was just didn't have a care in the world. He was just had his head down. He was just kind of walking, and I was like, Okay, don't screw this up. Okay, don't screw this. Up. So I like pick up my bow and I'm like, Oh, this doesn't – it's, yeah. it's worse when you get to watch him walk in because then your nerves are just through the roof. So he comes in, but he's facing, facing me. I was like, no shot, no shot, no shot. Well, he turns to kind of get that little buck off the corn pile, and as he does it, you know, he turns broadside, I draw back. And I'm usually always stone cold. I When Adele walks in and I know I'm going to shoot her, I'm like this, I'm shaking. I'm just, mm-hmm. I get, I'm that excited when I know mm-hmm. I'm gonna pull the trigger on something. I just get super excited. So I draw back, but when I draw back, I'm always stone cold. I'm good. I'm focused. I shoot. You know, that's just the way I've always been. I've never messed it up. Well, with this deer in front of me, that didn't stop, and I yeah. could not get my nerves calm. Then I'm like, oh my god. And he starts to act like he's going to turn and go away. So I take the shot, and I zung that arrow right over his back. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I missed him. 20 yards, clean miss. What the hell? So he goes out there. He runs 40 yards, stops, turns broadside. It's like, what the heck just happened? Looking yeah. back. And at this time, I'm like, shit. So I'm yeah. like fumbling around, getting an arrow in my quiver. Well, by that time, he looks up in the tree and sees me. And I'm like, this is over. He's not going to stand there. I get an arrow knocked. I ranged him 41 yards. He's still standing broadside. I'm like, okay, don't screw it up. You won't get another chance to steer, I promise you. Uh, so I drew back, settled the pin, 41 yards, smoked him, and he ran wow. to the edge of the field, and that's where he fell over. So that was really a cool experience. I had my wife on the phone. and my wife always says, she always knows when I kill a deer because she can't understand a word I say. It's like freaking Japanese coming out of my mouth. She's like, okay. I'll take it. You got him, honey. Okay. I'll get the kids and we'll be yep. there. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool experience to say the least.
0: So he was 211, you said. And then, then mm-hmm. Zeus Zeus was your biggest Yeah. the next year. What, what was your takeaway from, from uh, that hunt from 2021?
1: Uh, from Zeus, that was my my biggest thing that year was learning a deer's patterns, honing okay. in on a deer's patterns because where he was at was just a big open milo field. Uh, I got pictures of him on the feeder in August, but of course it was a at night. So I started putting the puzzle pieces together He's there an hour after dark. He's there 30 minutes after dark. He's there 15 minutes after dark. Okay. But he's never, he won't ever daylight. He's not daylight with the other bucks, not nothing. So when season got here, I was like, all right, I need to go try to lay eyes on him because apparently he's not, he's getting close, but not really close. Because if he's not coming in till after dark, either one, he doesn't want to stand up till after dark or two, he's bedding a little ways away. So first day of archery season. I literally parked on a blacktop road and I'm just watching, watching this Milo field, nothing 30 minutes before dark. Boom. Here he stands up. His head turns out the field. And I'm like, holy mother of God, this deer looks way bigger in person. Than he just on the camera and he looked big on camera. So I watched him that night and sure enough, he popped up out of the Milo field. He walked down the waterway. And then I could watch him. I could watch him from where I was at, walk all the way to the feeder, you know, but, once daylight, you know, once it got dark, I couldn't see him no more. But he was on his way there. I said, "Okay, I know we're just betting." So then I watched it two, watched him two more nights in a row, and he was doing the exact same thing. And I said, "All right, I got you, sucker. I'm gonna kill you." Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a uh, a redneck blind on a trailer, and on Saturday, Saturday at like around noon, we took this redneck blind, and we put it at the mouth of this waterway where I knew he was walking every night, and I'm like. I don't know if it's gonna work. We might have to let it soak for a while because literally there's it's open and boom, mm-hmm. there's a redneck line on a trailer. I mean, you're sticking out like a sore thumb. So I was like, I don't know if it's gonna work, we'll let it soak, you know, we'll watch the camera, see if he comes by there tonight. And it was like ninety three degrees that day. And I remember I was sitting at home and it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just sitting at home, not doing anything. It's like, Well, you know, wind's out of the southwest, the wind's right. What if I just go sitting up blind and just see if I can see, you know, watch him again. So I go out there and uh, sit in the blind and I'm trying to leave all the windows closed to just, you know, try to keep my scent contained as much as possible in case deer comes out a mile behind me or something. So I've got the windows all closed up. And uh, on a 93 degree day, it's pretty damn hot. And that's freaking blind. And I just start. this, This is the part. Everybody loves this part. I just started shedding clothes because I'm like, I'm dying in this freaking thing. So I like my shirt's off and I felt like I got to open a couple of windows and I was just still rolling with sweat. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die over this freaking deer. Thank God I brought water with me. Jesus. This is one of the dumbest things I've ever done. But here I am.
0: <laughs> and- I'm thinking, all I'm thinking right now is picturing is uh, Ace Ventura when, when he's uh, coming out that ride. <laughs>
1: oh dave from urban pursuit sent me that he thought the same thing when i told this nope. story <laughs> that's
0: so funny that's good
1: it was it was miserable at the time but uh there's some other little small bucks moving around in this waterway, and i'm watching and all of a sudden boom zeus pops up out of the milo i was like, holy shit oh man so he starts working working toward these other small bucks and And so he gets to them and they just kind of sniff each other mess around. Well, they end up walking the other way. And I was like, crap, well, this is over or he's going to go the other way. He took one look at this blind and he's like, I don't think so. So they go off the other way and I'm like, so I was like, just start gathering my stuff up. Mind you, by this time I am in my underwear because I am freaking hotter than hell. I am literally just in my underwear. I'm in the blind by myself. I'm like, I'm sweating to death. So I'm like gathering up my clothes and everything. And I'm watching, I was like, well, here comes that small buck. That that little buck's coming back. So I was watching him in the binoculars. And then here comes Zeus up over the terrace. Just this great big massive antler. And he's right behind him. I said, No way, this little buck is gonna walk right in front of me. And sure enough, he did. A little buck came out, and then right out of the tall grass, here comes Zeus at 30 yards. And I'm like, Shh, here we go. So I drew yeah. back. And I think I shot him at 32. I think 32 is what I ranged to him, and that's what I shot him at. Uh, so I smoked him. He takes off out of the my the Milo field, back into the Milo field, and I watch it aim through the binoculars, and I see him. And he comes up, and his front legs come up, and he tips over and falls on his side in the Milo. Wow! I'm like, holy cow! Like I literally just pulled that off. I mean, it happened like that. I mean, it was fast. By the time I saw him coming back, I mean, it was like over and done with for in like 30 seconds, or at least it seemed Jeez. like. So it was, so, that was, that was a pretty man. emotional day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like
0: what you said. It was figuring out the pattern of that deer, but then also like going with your gut, that's been like a theme this spring for all summer talking to individuals, you know, like you're just sitting there, like you said, kind of not doing anything and you're looking and it's like, okay, I got that South wind, that Southwest wind. I I could go sit in there just see what happens. And yep. I, there you go. Right. Like, it, If, if anything, the worst thing that could have happened was you kept, you would have just been hotter than hell in there and you would have maybe saw from afar. It could have been an observation sit. I mean, you had the time and you had the win, So you went out there and, and, and did it. And that's pretty awesome. Just because like I was just saying, you you figured it out the year prior was patience. You put, you put some things together, you killed that, that Titan. And then the next year, you're learning the movements of this deer for zoos and then going with your gut to get out there.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: pretty cool. So with those two specific deer and obviously you you're you're putting out like the feed and all that stuff like trying to figure out like with with the whole um uh like with trail cams and everything like that. When it comes to now last year, like last year was your first year. I know I heard you say like that you were self filming. You still killed a hundred and eighty inch plus white tail. And for this one, putting out the cameras, did your trail cam strategy stay the same for all three, or were things a little bit different for for the third one even?
1: Well kinda of, he was different, but kind of the same still. Okay. Uh I had I had been in this area, rain trail cameras in there and stuff early in the year. Was getting nothing but does and small bucks and I'm like, okay, well I'm gonna I got other places these cameras can go. We'll pull out, we'll come back later. Okay. Uh so then I can't Blake and I were hunting that big deer on Halloween. That's what it was. On Halloween night we were hunting that big deer, didn't show. And Blake was like, Dad, you need to go you need to go hunt you need to find a deer and you need to go after him so i said okay so on my way to work on november 1st i went back down to the spot put out a couple cameras and right away that night he hit it he was on the camera daylight and i was like holy cow like damn that's a nice deer like that's a dang nice deer like i'd I'd probably kill i'd i'd kill him for sure (laughs) so uh and then same thing the next night november 2nd he daylighted even earlier he was almost an hour before dark and i said i can't look. we're gonna go kill this sucker so on november 3rd on my way to work i took a deer stand with me and got it up in the tree uh got everything rigged up i think i left my bow not leave my bow in the tree but i put the, set the camera up with the camera arm everything so when i got there the only thing i did to take up was my bow ready to rock and roll and sure enough Three nights in a row, he just did the same thing. You know, he came in on November 3rd, but he actually came from the total opposite direction I thought he was coming from, so I wasn't really ready for him. But uh, yeah, that was kind of almost just luck that he...
0: Electrify, escape, and expand. With PWR, nothing will hold you back from finding adventure on your own terms. Forge your own path to places others can't reach by car, by foot, or using analog equipment. Electrify your adventure with PWR's unique e-powered adventure tools that are just as fun to ride as they are practical. Escape the ordinary methods of enjoying the outdoors that take you to the same old spots it seems everyone ends up. Expand your playground, push beyond your old limitations, and find a new comfort zone. Check out the brand new Rome scooter that comes equipped with 4-inch wide heavily treaded tires for maximum grip over loose and aggressive terrain. The 24-inch front wheel diameter makes easy work of rolling over roots, rocks, and other low obstacles in your path. Use code ANTLERUP750 for $750 off or ANTLERUP25 to save 25% off the site, excluding the roam. So check out RidePWR.com and prepare for your next adventure
1: was there and you know thankfully blake was like dad you need to go try to find you in here so i said okay i'll go with some cameras out and he just ended up popping up so (laughs) sometimes i'd rather be lucky than good
0: (laughs) but hey man i i know like you, you know, you put in the work and and scouting and 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 checking cameras and all that stuff. But man, sometimes you, you it, that little luck of being in that right place, right time. And I, you know, you make your own luck too, no doubt about mm-hmm. that. So, what was like a takeaway hunting hunting this this third third deer? And what which one? What did you t- uh, name him? Stickers or something?
1: Yeah, King Stickers. Yep. Yeah.
0: So what yep. was the, what was your takeaway hunting hunting this deer? So I
1: would say the main thing was. Man, really was just scout, you know, put in your time just because, just because early season, an area doesn't pay off. Don't just write that thing off the whole rest of the year, because that's case in point right there. You never know what could come back. So now I'm kind of picking up this year. I'm implementing that into all these other farms where, like, say I have nothing right now, but I know in years past that as soon as all the crops come out, these places just catch fire with deer. In places that right now, you know, there is a lot of deer. You have to pay attention to what they're going to do when they're fall, right? When they hit, you know, their fall ranges, you know, where they're going to move to. So, like last year, I've got a bunch of these bucks on camera early season, then all of a sudden, boom, they vanished. So, okay. okay, where the hell did they go? So then, went and put cameras up. I mean, some of these bucks are moving two, three miles. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So then you got cameras up. Now they're showing up at these places. So now coming into this season, now we have a pretty good handle on some of these bucks. Yeah. They're here right now, but as soon as this Milo starts to head over here in this other area, that's where they're going to be. And we're going to be right there waiting for them to show up. Yeah.
0: Now they're, they're betting in that Milo. Is that what you're saying? And that's yep. what you Like William. so what's uh, like now that you have, cause here's the thing, like we talk about, and you, we, li- we listen to, especially here from Pennsylvania. I mean, you could, you could go down so many rabbit holes as far as like, do you rather hunt an area that is just completely loaded with acorns, right? And just hopefully you're in that right spot where that is the right feed tree, or do you try to find that isolated, you know, oak tree where it's just, it is mm-hmm. hot, hot right now, right? And depending on where you are, like either, both of them have their their, their pros, right? and And yeah. both of them have their cons. So what are you finding out as far as, like especially early season, that food source, or are you just trying to tuck in as close to bedding and and go from there
1: so like you like you said, uh out here, it seems they 'll they bed in the Milo and they won 't leave it. The only thing that they will leave that Milo for is water. you know that's one thing they have to have is water right. and what i've learned too, and actually uh great beaker g b feeds kind of taught me this last year too, and I didn't ever put this these puzzle pieces together that the bigger the field, the more and bigger bucks you're going to see. So say if you've got a 30-acre model field, you might see a few deer in there, but you go over to a 300-acre model field, and, I mean, they're in there like freaking fleas, and Hmm. bigger deer too. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just because they can get out the middle of it, and then there's just, you know, it's so vast, they always know what's coming. And then look for that. And then you always got to look for the closest water source because they, you know, when it's a hundred degrees out, they have to have water. There's no way around it. They have to. So if you find that, if you find where their food source is at and then, you know, then find the water source, you can usually kind of catch them coming yeah. back and forth. A lot of them will do it at night. They won't come out of the model fields till till dark, but still, at least if it's a really hot day, you're there yeah. waiting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. Well, here, here's a good, here's an idea. So right now, kind of wrapping up the whole summer scouting, you know, what, what are some things that you're doing and maybe things will, that will stay the same for you as leading up to the season for season for you. And then maybe what are some things that change? So like, what do you do now? What is going to stay? And then what will change for you as far as scouting these deer go?
1: So what we're doing right now, um, Angelo was actually just here last weekend. Well, we got a lot of, a lot of cameras up. We got some feed sites out and stuff like that. We're just trying to get inventory right now, see what bucks are in the area. We're we're putting these pretty close to these food sources, to this milo and stuff, and then close to a water source. So right now we're just getting inventory, see what bucks are there, see what bucks came in from last year. That's the biggest thing out here. You gotta you gotta be willing to move. You have to be willing to change. And you know, there's a couple of spots that I thought were gonna be really good and. There's nothing there. Yeah. So I know there's a couple of big deer in the area. Now it's just a matter of finding them. I mean, we we'll have to move those cameras, those speed sites a little bit to find them. And then back to just scouting, you know, using that spotting scope, watching things from afar to figure out where they're at. Or if there's even anything worth hunting in that area right now, that's kind of the plan.
0: Yeah. So last year you didn't kill this buck until you're that first week of November, like, mm-hmm. what does your season look like? Because the year, the last two years prior, you it was like pretty, you know, September still, correct? Yep. Yeah. So like, you go go from two years killing these two hundred inch bucks, you know, in in September. Now you're grinding it out. Like, what? What? And I know you're like you said you were hunting with your sons and and mm-hmm. and doing all that type of stuff, which is awesome. But something has to pull pull you away and be like, okay, are you trying different things? Are you sticking to the plan? what is that plan basically when, you know, early season hasn't worked out now and now we we got to go to the rut. Cause I like what you said earlier. It's, it's, Hey, right now, if these deer aren't here, here's where I could maybe come back in November. Right. And that's like kind of what, what happened last year. But so, you know, what, uh, what, what kind of mind tricks or things are you doing? Are you sticking to that game plan? Are you changing anything up? Are you maybe, going into a little bit trying to find the the sign more so compared to like where are they feeding like and drinking all mm-hmm. that stuff anything really changed during this time
1: um, yeah there there's a lot of things that have changed actually um you know we're still kind of sticking to the same game plan that we've always that we've always had as far as you know watching the Milo stuff like that early season you know but then again we're changing things up a little bit Tyler Wilbur has taught me a lot of things about scrapes this year mm-hmm uh, and man, has it worked out good? I've got a couple of big deer that are hitting these mock scrapes, and I, in June, I would have never thought. And Tyler's like, "Oh hell yeah, man, deer!" Yeah. He said, De- "Scrapes are like Facebook for deer; they will yep. use them all year round." And I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" He's like, "No, oh, man, come on, just, just give it a shot." So I got some hodag and stuff, some all season scent, and some scent roach, and man, they are just ripping them up. And I was "I just, you know, most guys think that." Scrapes are for the rut. That tells them what does are in heat. You know what other the bucks are in the area. You know that time of year. I would have never thought that. It's just an all around. I mean, hell, yeah. Tyler had them hitting them in freaking April, March, April. Tyler had them hitting his scrapes. And I was like, God dang. So, implementing that is going to be a big game changer this year, especially in a couple of uh, these these better rut spots. Yeah. You know, and and learning some of these deer. You know, like I said, we can bait in Kansas. But i am figuring out, too, some of these really big, mature bucks, they won't come to a bait pile. They won't come to a feeder. They just won't do it. They'll see other deer go up to it. And if they do eventually come up to it, it could even take them. How Zeus, it took him two months before I got a picture of him on that feeder because he was like, I'm just not sure about this thing. But once right. the deer, other deer are there, they're putting their scent on it. He's like, okay, well, I think it's safe now. So, but there's still a lot of other bucks I've had. You know, they'll stand way off in the background and you just see this big rack. But they will never come to it. Ever. They'll they'll come they came and just kinda checked it out, right? Mm, I know this trickery. I'm mm, I'm out. I'm gonna go yeah. over here and eat. I don't think I'm gonna do that yeah. this doesn't this doesn't yeah. seem right. Out here in this pasture, boom, there's a corn pile. I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. You're going for the organic
1: stuff. Mm Yeah, I don't think that this is going to work for me. Or it could be a deal where they've came into something like that and been shot, you know, or been wounded. You know, you know how quick they they pick up on things. Hell, you know, they bust you one time out of a tree stand and they're never coming by that tree. Or if they ever do again, they're going to be looking in that tree and be very worried about what's going on. So it could very well be the same thing, you know, as a corn powder feeder. You know, they immediately uh, think danger when they see that. So they just stay away from it
0: has that changed a lot of different hunters out your way where, you know, maybe I'm sure growing up, it was a lot of ladder stands, like on those, on those field edges and, or in that slow, like slow only tree that you said, there's not a lot of trees in your area and all that type of stuff. Has that changed a lot? Like for the mobile hunting? I mean, I know you're big into mobile tree stands and all that type of stuff. So (laughs) like other hunters, right. And then how has that even uh, helped you or applied to you basically?
1: Well, You know, what's crazy out here is that you really don't see a whole lot of other hunters I was telling Tyler and Angelo this that you could drive around here in the rut I mean you could drive around all day and you might see one picket parked on the side of the road That's actually in there hunting. So we don't have a lot of hunters, but it is changing Uh, Some of the guys that I do know, you know Just kind of doing this thing, you know through Instagram stuff You meet people and start Mm -hmm. talking and it is changing a lot, you know, it's like Angelo from Illinois you know, he was been strictly a ladder stand hunter forever, and this year now he's changing over to this mobile setup. It's A lot of these guys around here are doing the exact same thing. They're getting away from these big, bulky, heavy ladder stands and getting even these guys that hang a stand up and leave it there all year. They're like, right. well, I can put this stand up, and it's easy. It's light. It's big enough that I can hunt it out of all year. I'm just going to go that route. If I can sell a ladder tree stand or two of them, and I'm having an elevate stand and put it up. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah. And that was my, my draw, like four years ago, that a saddle hunting thing was because of what, what I was saying to you earlier, like after school, I only have, Oh man, by the time I get to the tree, you know what I mean? I might only have a 45, 50 minute window of actually hunting. So I need something mm-hmm. quick and easy and yeah. watching mm-hmm. the guys do the saddle thing and, and learning it and, just like anything, you practice, you learn, you're going to get better at it and you're going to find your niche with it. And that is something like for me, I like when Tether was starting out five years ago, I loved what Greg and them were saying like, Hey, this is another tool in the toolbox. And like now I'm like, this is the only tool in my toolbox, right? Like, I, yep. you know, I that's, and that's to each your own. Like you could do whatever you want to do. I'm not, I, I mean, obviously I, I love saddle hunting and, and you know, I do things for Tethered. But at the same time, like for Angelo, let them learn the process of, of, of this, like let them get used to it and, and feel comfortable and really enjoy it and, and, and get better at it. And that's, that's the key, no matter what you're doing is, is enjoy it, have fun with it and, uh, and, and make sure that you're, you're ready to go because I can't stress that enough. That is the one thing for me personally, learning the whole mobile thing is, is practicing now. Like just spend twenty minutes. If you got a twenty-minute window, just get three feet off the ground, two feet off the ground, and Mm -hmm. harness in. If you're hunting from a tree stand, like practice on how you're going to move and certain certain shot opportunities. Because that's even what I do for saddle hunting. Like when I work the uh, Pennsylvania Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, the NRA show, people ask me, like, you know, if I get this now, like new saddle hunters, right? I'm, I'm specifically talking about. I get this right now. Will I be able to hunt it to come fall? I'm like, Yeah, as long as you practice, right? And like, yeah. that was that is the main thing, no matter what you're doing. And you tried filming your hunts last year. I'm sure the first time you did you put your camera on wasn't the opening day, right? I would hope not, <laughs> but
1: but <laughs> it was still a struggle. <laughs> it is,
0: man, it, it is still yeah. a struggle. I, I hear you on that. So, no matter what you're doing out there, people make sure you're trying and practicing and, and all that stuff. Because I'm telling you, it bit me in the ass because a couple years ago, I did I took all the initiative to get better at shooting. Like from that little elevated position, I still do it. I tell you to do it, those of you listening and everything like that. But I know I, for for a fact, need to do it more and I'm getting better, man. And, and that's all we can do is try to get better each day. So John, here's another question that I want to ask. All three deer, I lo- you, you were talking about, obviously the patients finding a pattern and, and going back to almost that historical data, right? Like going back to that historical stuff. But the one thing that was like in common, all three had in common was you were watching this, like each deer for a couple of days and then you made your move.
1: Mm-hmm. So like
0: for me, that's tough. And I'm sure Tyler could probably uh, uh, kind of chime in on this one day where like uh, up here in the, in mountain terrain where it's ridge after ridge like i'm so frustrated when i'm here in central pa and and i'm talking when i go back home to hunt northeast pa there's one specific buck that when he gets on camera man he is a stud he's what my dad and i've been after the last couple years but i'll get him like that one time and then Mm. then he'll be on my dad's later on in the evening for like a couple days it's so hard to pinpoint his direction and everything like that. And like the area and I've, I've clustered a ton more cameras this year just to figure out kind of, and I have them on video mode so I can kind of see which way he's moving and his mannerisms a little bit more, but you made your move after getting that consecutive for three days. It seemed like, is that your, your kind of your thing? Like, okay, one, one night if he daylights, okay. When do you start really, knowing that you want to, bam, go in there and make that kill. If you're in the market for finding a new trail camera, I highly encourage you to look no further than Exodus. Exodus has two main options to choose from as far as cameras go, a budget-friendly option that doesn't compromise quality. The Exodus Rival is the camera for you. Simplicity meets functionality in this easy-to-use, feature-rich cell camera. The Rival offers crystal-clear, photo-quality, easy setup and use, With complete remote management through the app anywhere in the world. Two already are set up in Northeastern PA for me and they're working flawlessly. And if you're looking for an all encompassing cell camera, seriously look no further than the render. It's their flagship camera. It stood the test of time for thousands of hunters across the country. I have one deployed here locally where I live and another one I'm saving for back in Northeastern PA. Again, zero issues. And I'll tell you what, Exodus stands by their 5-year warranty for accidents or for theft. Top of the line customer service, so see for yourself why so many made the switch to Exodus and experience the Exodus difference. Use code AU to get 15% off your first camera today. Is it um, a 3-day thing? Like kind of explain that. I
1: would I would say really if if they're going to be consistent for 2 days in a row and a lot of thing is too. I've learned watching your weather patterns. If the winds, and I've gotten to where once we get to season or close to season, start writing down on a piece of paper, you know what bucks showed up, what the wind was doing, what the temperature was, every factor, or what the barometric pressure pressure was, and because some of those will play a factor. And it. You can look right up there on your weather. Okay, well, it was south at 12 miles an hour. It was south at 15 miles an hour. It was 92 degrees. It was 93 degrees. Okay, tomorrow's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the, pretty much the exact same thing. Boom, go in there. And, you know, a lot of times that, that's what they'll do. They'll show up and you'll kill them. You know, it's... You know, because a lot of times if the wind switches comes out of the north, they'll come out at the opposite side of the property or something, you know, because I always want to have their wind in their face. No matter what they're doing, they want to know what's up there. They want to have their wind in the face. So that's that's a big thing right there. Just watching weather weather patterns can help you out a lot. But two today, now I will say if he shows up two days out of south wind and the next day it's north, I really don't think he's going to do the same thing. That's just... Mm-hmm kind of what of what I've picked up on, what I've learned. Like I said, if you have that recurring weather pattern in there, I would say there's a pretty damn good chance he's gonna do the same thing the third day.
0: Yeah, I like that. So like you know, like you said, like day one might have been on day two, same thing, but if that third day is a whole different weather kind of situation, mm-hmm. you're
1: kind of playing that one by ear. Now now during the rut take that and throw it. <laughs> they out the window because you have no idea yeah i have noticed that during the rut though yeah it's almost like almost to the day sometimes or like when they're getting to rut when they're out out searching you say you know last week of october first week of november if you go back and look at historical data they will almost move and do the same thing on the same freaking day that's crazy yeah
0: Yeah, i so that deer i was just uh, talking about it is around that like October 19th ish to 22nd ish. I, I believe that it is that the last two mm-hmm. years he'll, he'll mosey through the one side of the mountain. And, uh, you better believe, uh, you know, where I'll be during that timeframe this year because it's that yep. uh, I'm we've yet to ever, he's our, our property is not his, his summer range whatsoever. I don't think it is his range during early fall um it is until that middle october like i mentioned the 19th through like the 22nd is when he shows up and he sticks around then like because we'll Mm -hmm. get him on cameras it's just a matter of you know what we're saying being in that right spot right time and that deer has lived long enough that's for damn sure
1: yeah well tyler's kind of doing the same thing with big eight you know he knows where, where his core is and he knows where he moves around i think he's I can't, can't remember if it's opposite of this, if it's like he moves to higher elevation or lower elevation, but he does one of the two, and that deer's in freaking trouble this year. I has got his freaking number, man. I'm telling you, Tyler's yeah. going to kill that bastard.
0: I hope so, man. I know that's that's a really cool story too. So early season challenges, man. What are some challenges that like that you seem to encounter, or a hunt any hunter could encounter during that early season, like? Middle September, uh early October. What what are some challenges that, that you're facing? And and you know, what are other things that you're keen in on as well?
1: Uh the heat and the bugs. That's your biggest factor. <laughs> I mean, it's just like like we were talking about hunting in Canada. I don't want to go up there and freeze my damn ass off. Well, you know what? You know? A lot of guys don't want to sit and sweat their asses off in early season either. And the other thing is too, once you get a buck down and it's almost a hundred degrees you got to get him cooled off and you got to do it in a freaking hurry. So there isn't any, it's, you know, I know what happens, but you know, you shoot him and you leave him overnight because you can't find him. Well, when it's a hundred degrees out, when you found him the next morning, it's not going to be a good situation. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big thing. You know, that's thankfully, I don't know if we've ever lost one early season, but you know, you got to get them gutted and, and that too, you know, taking pictures and stuff can get challenging. I've learned a, a few other tricks now to, you know keep them overnight keep them cold i know a guy with a walk-in cooler now but you know if you shoot a big deer or something and you want to take pictures the next day you got getting gutted and getting packed full of cold ice and you got to go out in the middle of the night and you know repack him full of ice they try to keep everything cold you know and they get hot and then the hair starts falling out of the hide or or yeah. whatever that's a that's a big problem i hate yeah. that i hate that early season but yeah
0: yeah, it's a good chance to get those big ones, though, for you, man.
1: It, it is, yeah. You get them <laughs> on a pattern, and you know you can pretty much. that's never, it's never a, never a guarantee, but you know you can get lucky. There's a lot of times it hasn't worked out for me for sure, but.
0: So last just, year before, before King Stickers, what you got him on camera? Like I said, and not till November. What were you cha- mm-hmm. like I mean, what were you going after? Did you have a buck, or or is that why you're really focusing on the kids? Like because it seemed like you said earlier, like it wasn't a you know, as, as what you were hoping for, it seemed like.
1: Yeah. uh The biggest thing was Blake. He was hunting that big deer and that's kind of where all my attention was. I was still keeping tabs on these other farms. I mean, there was a chopstick and the King eight chopstick was probably 100, 175 inch 10 pointer with split brows. And yeah, I could have barely easily went after him. Didn't know if I wanted to, though. He was like, he's like a four year old. It's like, okay, I want to kind of want you to get to another year, but you know, if you walked out in front of me, you could probably be be in trouble, (laughs) you know. And I did, I had a uh, actually at the same place I killed Zeus early on in the year. I saw a buck through the spotting scope that was going to be a 200. I mean, for sure, he was going to be a 200, but I never could find him after that. I put cameras everywhere and just never could turn him up again. I mean, I saw him that one night from the truck. I don't know. It could have been a – he got bumped off the neighbor's property, and he was there for a day, and then he went back. You know, I don't know what the situation was, but I was hoping that he would show back up too. He never did, but really the biggest thing was just Blake trying to hone in on him, and then once he was finally like, all right, Dad, let's take a break. Why don't you go hunt? I was like, okay, all right, let's let's do that, and we'll revisit this thing because we're getting burnt out. You know, it was – and I shot, you know, I've shot five deer, oh yeah, five deer over 170. And, you know, you think that you've got it figured out and you know what you're doing. But, man, I tell you what, last year, hunting that big deer, it was rough. It And that's, too, why we took a break. We took a break, actually, a couple of times, because it just got to where it wasn't fun anymore. Okay. It was like, this is a job. Like, we have to go kill those deer. Like, we have to, you know. And then you start right. getting kind of pissy at every little thing you know it's because like i don't know why this isn't happening and you know so we had to take a break you know a couple times to just kind of regather our thoughts you know okay i feel like we're doing this for the wrong reasons now and we need to we need to take a break and just chill out for a minute
0: what were some of those big takeaways then for that because i mean regardless of the deer size i mean a lot of people can relate to to that because i mean help myself from chasing and doing all kinds of things to try to get like that buck I was talking about. And the other deer earlier I mentioned, what, what were some takeaways that you learned that hopefully you would not like to repeat?
1: The the biggest thing is, and my wife and I have both said it quite a few times, you cannot force something to happen. No matter how bad you want it to happen, you can't force it. If, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, it'll happen. If it's if it's not meant to happen, it just won't. And, you know, that's, that was, that was a big thing that we took from that. You know, he ended up not killing the deer, but then again, really late in the season, I think four days before the end of season, he killed a nine and a half year old buck, not the biggest buck in the world. He was busted up, but he was a really old deer. So, you know, that was a big reward right there in itself. And, you know, it's almost like we almost kind of lost sight of it, of what we were doing. You know, we were with the whitetail bloodline at the time and you know, it was almost like, it's not that anybody else puts this pressure on you, but you kind of put the pressure on yourself. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I've killed two 200-inch deer in a row. Now let's go kill a third one. And then when it doesn't happen, you kind of almost feel like you failed. Right. So it's it's like, that's not why you're doing this. You right. know, you're doing it because you love it. And then when you start to not love it, it's like, wow, okay all right we're t- we're taking a week off from this because this is just getting too too yeah. ridiculous let's Let's take a step back, but like I said that's the biggest thing is you can't force something to happen if you've got yeah. a big deer on camera, you know, I don't know how many guys in the history of trail cameras have got two hundred inch deer on camera. I've never killed them I mean a lot you know there's a yeah. lot of two hundred inch deer that' just either vanish or God knows what right so yeah that was that was a hard one. It was a hard pill to swallow, but at the end of season we kind of we kind of saw saw the light at the end of the tunnel and we're just like, you know we can't we can't make it happen no matter how bad you want it, you can't make right. it and when you try to force something to happen, of course, then the deer just leaves because now he knows he's hunting, he's pressured he's gonna leave, right. so it's you know hunt the right hunt the right times and just be patient, you have to be patient.
0: I like that. So your key, one of the other things that would you say, were you just putting a crap ton of pressure on this deer? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I
0: I like what you said though. I mean, like you can't, like you said, you can't, I mean, you've, you've killed some, like you said, five deer over one seventy. I mean, every year someone multiple, I'm just saying, I say someone just because of a social media of, of where we're at, you know, like you follow someone, they might kill that hammer and man, they're like, they get gloated for like that one, a couple days. And then after that, like people move on, right? Like you move on to, to try to kill your deer or go after your hunt. And, and, uh, I'll tell you what, John, the one thing, uh, you could tell how much you love hunting, right. And you could tell how much you, you, you love for hunting with your boys and all that stuff and your friends and, and all that stuff. And I'm sure you get that and understand that. And that's the one thing, like you're hunting the hunt. And that is the the key, my key takeaway this year. I'm going to kind of coin that like hunt the hunt. And because regardless of what you are, you want to get out of that situation, man, just go hunt it, right? Like if mm-hmm. you are, like I said earlier, there might be times where I might be going after work and I only have that little bit. I, I'm going to hunt to scout like my job yeah. that day for me personally, uh, and I, I don't say job, but you know what I'm saying? Like my, my thing that I want to accomplish that day is going to be, okay. If I'm hunt if if I'm gonna plan to hunt this spot come Saturday, I want to know coming into it that there's actually sign there and X, Y, and Z, and not just mm-hmm. yeah, that looks pretty good. I know my cameras told me whatever, and go in there like hunt your hunt, go after it, do what you want to do, enjoy it, love that process, man. And and uh, you could see and good things happen, you know. And, yep. and we yep. just don't. I I just don't live in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. It's 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 a hard thing to you know last year like i said it was you know you killed two giants you know now you need to do it three in a row so i think i just put too much pressure on myself it it, it was rough so this year i'm just kind of like if it happens it happens if one falls into our lap and it works then great but you don't not going to stress myself over it you know like i said trying to force something to happen it's just yeah. not going to work you know if 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 the good Lord wants it to happen, it'll happen.
0: What's uh, any other states that, that you have lined up for this upcoming year at all?
1: Uh, yeah. Angela and I are going to be going down to Northern Texas. Okay. There's a, there's a few counties down there that are boat only and a lot of, a lot of big public areas that some big deer have been taken out of in past years. So we're going to be going there in the, I think the first or second week of December, we're headed down oh. there for a week. So super excited for that, but, Angelo, he's hit four states this year. I'm kind of jealous of him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he'll have what Illinois. He'll go to Kansas, Texas. What's the other one?
1: Pennsylvania. He's he's yeah, gonna go, go, go home Utah. with Tyler.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yep. Very cool, man. So what what are you guys doing over there with the Legacy uh, Pursuit?
1: Uh, so we're we're working on getting the YouTube channel built up. Yep. Actually, right before this, I was working on a YouTube video. Um, you know, right now Instagram is what we got going. I don't know that we're going to do a podcast. Um, we like doing the podcasts and stuff like that. It's just, there's, there's a lot of them out there. Yep. So, you know, we're like, I don't know if we need to just throw another one, but we like doing them because it's really not about the listens that you're going to get to or about being the biggest podcast out there. You know, we're never yep. going to be working class bow hunters. It's just not going to happen. Right, but what's right. cool is just making the connections with people, you know, getting to talk to people from you know, Washington state and guys that hunt coos deer in California and stuff like that, or hunt mule deer out west or home oh, with you guys in Pennsylvania, you know, it's about talking to all of these yeah, guys in different parts of the country. That's what we love about it. Yeah.
0: That's what I love too, man. I love learning and growing and, and getting these, these opportunities to talk, you know, hunting with such cool people and, and down to earth. So I like it, man, John, we're, we can kind of wrap things up. Uh, I did, you know, we just said we're gonna hunt your hunt, and and for this upcoming year, I wish you the best of luck. I hope one of those, uh, another big slammer, you you get on camera, and I hope I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh I'm I'm going to go out on a limb. I I hope that sucker shows up on a scrape, and you're gonna have to yeah. h- hunt him over a scrape because I'll tell you what I lo- I love them, and and I agree with Tyler. They they are the Facebook of of uh, for deers. You know, yeah. no doubt about it. So, man, where where could people find you over personally on Instagram as well as the Legacy Pursuit on Instagram as well?
1: Yeah, so my personal page is John eighty eight, and then you can find us the, as a group at Legacy Pursuit, and then of course my boys Tyler and Angelo. Uh, Angelo is at the Hunting Life three sixty five, and Tyler is Tyler Wilbur or something. I can't remember. What's yeah, <laughs> tyler the end of <laughs> just like up tyler wilbur you're gonna find him but uh it's it's really cool um you know we're doing our own thing we just started this a few months ago we don't have a lot of followers yet but i think all the people that are true that were true followers to us um are coming with you know they came with us and stuff like that we still got all of our partners uh you know elevate osseo all those guys wreck canadi uh, gilly puck you know we still got all those guys backing us so it's going to be a really fun year we're gonna we're the what we're shooting for is 10 bucks on the ground all on film that's that is our goal so right. it's it's a pretty it's a pretty tall order that's to awesome. film. But that's <laughs> gonna be our uh that's gonna kind to be our goal you know and so we're super excited about it you know like i said tyler's dad is coming out to kansas uh to do his dream hunt this year and i'm I'm really actually excited for Tyler's dad to get here. I told Tyler, I was like, you know, where I have the book, the biggest buck that we've got on camera and the most consistent, that's where we're putting your dad. Yeah. I said, Tyler, you've got a lot of years of hunt left. Your dad, your dad's getting up there in age. I said, we're gonna put him where he has the best chance in yep. the biggest deer. So he's right. like, Hell yeah, <laughs> man, let's do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's awesome. That's cool. I, I like it. Yeah, we had Tyler on a couple of shows ago. So go back, listen to that. That was a really fun conversation. Plan to do that. Did another one with him again for this upcoming year. So uh man, John, I appreciate you coming on and uh that was a lot of fun. And uh make sure you guys ever th- those of you listening, go Go follow John, go follow Tyler, go follow Angelo, and, and definitely follow their uh, legacy pursuit they have going on, and make sure to check it out on, on YouTube as well. And, uh, John, appreciate it, man. We'll see you uh, next week, everybody. Next time, Antler Up. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and go wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, antler
1: up.